What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shape Daily, an episode of the podcast that I didn't know if we'd be holding this year, even as of just a few weeks ago. It's the big one. The Cardinals have clinched postseason berth for the 2021 season, locking up the second wild card and setting a date on Wednesday, October 6th, with whoever finishes in second place from the National League West. Division, the Dodgers still trail the Giants as of now. Dodgers won on Tuesday. So too did the Giants, so it's going to be difficult for Los Angeles to catch San Francisco if San Francisco does not lose. It's currently a two-game margin separating those two teams out west. But the big lead, the story of the night, the St. Louis Cardinals continue the win streak, by the way. It's up to 17 games now as Adam Wainwright earns his 17th win for the team's 17th in a row in his 17th season as a big league pitcher. Came up in 2005, of course missed the 2011 season, didn't pitch that year due to Tommy John, but was just as much a member of the Cardinals that season. So this being his 17th season, if you count all that up, Wainwright was the guy, and who else was it going to be, right? If the Cardinals were going to get the clincher, done on Tuesday night. Makes a lot of sense for Wayno to be the one on the bump. He goes six innings, gives up two runs on a fourth inning homer by Luis Urias. And you never did feel like the Cardinals were out of this game, right? Of course, they scored pretty quickly after falling behind. But that's been the story of this Cardinals team during this marvelous, miraculous win streak that's now at 17. We'll see what they're able to do over the rest of this week if they're able to continue this thing. They certainly have their sights set on doing so. We've got audio to play for you from down on the field during the celebration, the aftermath, as the Cardinals won the game on Tuesday, 6-2 over the Milwaukee Brewers at Busch Stadium to clinch a postseason berth. Like I said at the beginning of the show, didn't know if we'd be having this episode as of just a few weeks ago before the Cardinals go on this magnificent run. It's it's unbelievable. You cannot even put it into words to explain, to articulate just how this has happened from where the Cardinals were. I continue to bring it up going back to September 5th. It was that game against the Milwaukee Brewers that Alex Reyes comes in, gives up the grand slam after the bases were already loaded. And the Cardinals were down in the dumps at that point. And Adam Wainwright has talked about the two games against Los Angeles to begin that next series at Busch Stadium. The Cardinals were still trying to shake that off, that icky feeling they got from blowing a game and a series against the Brewers that they thought they had in hand on that Sunday game where they lost 6-5 to five on the Grand Slam. Daniel, Daniel Vogelbach hit that one, as I call him Daniel Vogelbarrel, because he kind of looks like a barrel. But the Cardinals found a way after that disappointment to bounce back, to bring it back, to earn the split against Los Angeles, And then they took two or three from Cincinnati and haven't lost since. They haven't lost since September 10th, game one of that Cincy series, which, again, you can talk about the fact that the Los Angeles games weren't part of this winning streak. But I really do think, and the Cardinals seem to think when you talk to the guys about it, that that's where all this began. They had the belief in themselves. They didn't get down and out when the circumstances could have facilitated them feeling that way. I mean, you remember as a Cardinal fan, think about where where you were on September 5th when 
The Cardinals didn't quite put it together in August the way the schedule dictated they maybe should have. And you have that series against the Reds to finish up the month of August and begin September where they got a little bit of momentum going. They had the split in that final game of the series of the doubleheader. And so you're kind of like, ah, if they could have maybe done a little bit more to take advantage of the Reds. Because at that point, the Reds, they were the team to beat as far as the wild card chase was concerned. Cardinals were behind Cincinnati, still behind San Diego at that point in time. And the Cardinals were going into that final game of the doubleheader on September 1st with a chance to sweep the Reds. Instead, they just come away with a regular old series win, and you're thinking, oh, man, did they blow a chance there. But then they come out gangbusters against Milwaukee, 15-4 on September 3rd, game one of that series. But then they lose the next two. And you're thinking, oh boy, it's just two steps forward, two steps back. The Cardinals still, it's the same old team. They can't find a way to get out of the rut to be able to actually advance in the standings. All season, that's been the story for this team to that point. Where they just they just couldn't do it. They, they couldn't get away from the magnet that was 500 baseball and they were just sitting barely above that. And then you go into a Dodgers series, you face Max Scherzer, you, you just... There's no reason from the outside looking in to have been optimistic about the Cardinals at that point in time, and it felt like the season was truly on the brink. Inside the clubhouse, they felt that way too. Adam Wainwright has talked about this multiple times, that game that he won, or he was the the, the Cardinals won when he started the game against the Dodgers. It was the game that broke his quality start streak because he ended up pitching into the ninth inning and giving up a fourth earned run after Geo came in to get the save. But he talked about that game being essentially a must-win for the Cardinals, and I think time has proven that to have been true in every day since. Cardinals finished up that split with L.A., mentioned they lost game one to Cincinnati, but since then 17 straight wins, a franchise record, and to be able to continue the winning streak to a point where they were able to clinch like you didn't lose a game until you clinched. Odds are they're not going to win their next five games remaining on the regular season schedule. You have to figure there's going to be some celebrating going on Tuesday night and be interested to see what the lineup looks like. Expect to maybe see a lot of Matt Carpenter for his final homestand as a Cardinal, uh, barring getting back to Bush Stadium in the postseason. Expect to see the bench utilized and give the starters multiple days off probably from here on through the rest of the season, but they still want to continue that streak and talking to the Cardinals and asked Harrison Bader. And he said, listen, it's the big leagues, man. This is, this is what we we're here to do. We're going to come out and, and try to win every game. And Wainwright was talking about getting to number 18 tomorrow. I think there's a point of pride and, and, and a point to, to, to prove that these guys can continue this win streak. That's uh, going to be a goal of theirs. Uh, but as we know, the most important game that remains is a week from tomorrow, a week from Wednesday. The wild card game, doesn't matter who they face. We know it's going to be on the road. It's going to be in either San Francisco or Los Angeles. And then you've got a wild card date with that team. Whichever team you're not playing, if you win, that's who you face in the NLDS on the 8th and 9th, and then back to Bush Stadium on the 11th. That has got to be the plan for the Cardinals. I know you're facing, regardless of who comes away with that West division, you're going to face a team that's won over 100 games during the regular season, and the Cardinals will not have achieved that distinction, obviously. And it's not going to be easy, but if there's any 
anything this last month, this last three, four weeks has shown, it's that the Cardinals are built for this challenge. They did it again on Tuesday night. Let's recap the game before we get into some of the audio from down on the field of celebration. It was just another one of the games that has become quintessential of the St. Louis Cardinals throughout this 17-game winning streak. They get down, not necessarily early. It was the fourth inning when Luis Arias hit the two-run homer off of Adam Wainwright. It was all, by the way, that Adam Wainwright would give up in this game. Just the homer, and he goes six innings of two-run baseball, his 22nd quality start. And down on the field, Ben Fredrickson mentioned this to Wainwright, and I was still in the scrum with those guys. I believe the stat that Ben Fred shared with Wainwright is that he leads the majors in quality starts since the beginning of 2020, and the guy right behind him is actually Sandy Alcantara, a former teammate of Wainwright, so he got a kick out of that. Said he's always been a, a big fan of Sandy, who's doing great things now with the Marlins. But after Wainwright gives up those two runs in the fourth, you wonder if that might be it. Of course not. Of course it's not it. Not at this point. Not with what the Cardinals had on the line on Tuesday. The offense was going to respond, and they did. Immediately. In fact, as Dylan Carlson got the party started with the home run in the bottom of the fourth inning, so the Cardinals don't even go a single inning without striking back. They, they waste no time getting it done. It was D.C. with the, the home run from the left side, sneaking over the glove of Avisayo Garcia into the right field bullpen, put the Cardinals on the board. And then they continue to chip away from there. Two solid at-bats by Bader and Paul DeYoung, just kind of lofting some simple singles into center field. And storyline that would have maybe been something we talked about a little bit more if the Cardinals had not won this game. Yadier Molina out of the lineup. He was a late scratch on Tuesday due to right shoulder stiffness, which is something the team PR let everybody know was the case shortly before the game after Yadi had been scratched from the lineup. And so that would have been number 305, I believe, for Wainwright and Yachty as a battery. 306, third all-time on the list, and so they're still chasing down that mark. A couple behind, and it looks like that's where they're going to remain, talking about regular season starts as a battery. There won't be any more this season because Adam Wainwright is going to be saved for October 6th almost. I mean, there's just no reason to do it any other way. So Wainwright's going to get a little bit of extra rest before that game, about a week off. And then he'll pitch on that Wednesday, October 6th. He's going to have to come back to the team next year so that he and Yachty can continue that that uh, streak to climb that all-time list for most starts by a battery in Major League history. They do have the potential, if both stay healthy next season and Wainwright does return as anticipated, to end up number one all-time on that list. I believe there are 20-some-odd starts behind the number one overall battery on that list. However, with the Yachty injury... I'll be interested to see how much we see of him over the course of the, the rest of this week. Because you have to imagine, if he's in the lineup to begin with, how much must he be hurting in order to have to be scratched from the lineup before the game on a day where the Cardinals can glitch on a day that Adam Wainwright is starting? All of those factors tell me, and it should be something that comes as no surprise, Yadier Molina is banged up this time of year. All the guys probably are to some extent or another. But Yachty in particular, wearing it, bearing the brunt of a season behind the plate as a catcher who, while he's taken more days as of late, has been a guy throughout his career that just wants to be in there every given day, as you guys know. 
And so that wears on a guy after a period of time. And the period of time for Yachty has been a hell of a long time. And so now you look at this situation where the Cardinals don't have, I say these games aren't meaningful. They're meaningful in that they could potentially continue a historic winning streak. But given the circumstances that the Cardinals have already clinched, I think you might see certainly Yachty not in the lineup on Wednesday. Uh, he wouldn't be in there if he was fully healthy, I think, based on the partying that's going to go on tonight for the Cardinals. But that being said, I think it could be a few days before we see Molina potentially. As long as he's geared up and ready for the postseason, I think you'd like to see him at least once or twice before the end of the regular season. But it'll be interesting to track to see how the Cardinals want to approach that with their franchise catcher who has obviously the desire to be in there, but the shoulder stiffness among other injuries, I'm sure, that Yachty is dealing with at this point in the year. Like I said, something we would have probably talked about a little bit more extensively, but want to continue discussing and breaking down the game before we get to some of the on-field audio from the post-game celebration. There was a lot of good stuff from that, so we want to be able to get to that on today's B-Shape Daily. But yeah, no Yachty in this game, and so that brings me back to discussion of that fourth inning. After a couple of base hits, there's still nobody out. You've got Andrew Kisner, Adam Wainwright's spot coming up in the order, thinking, man, this would be a great time to score some more runs. Cardinals had a little bit of a chance at a rally earlier in the game where Wainwright was not able to come through offensively. It's not an expectation that he necessarily would because it is the pitcher. In his mind, it's something that he ought to do. But being realistic, it's just kind of what you expect. Get to the nine hole in the lineup. It's the pitcher spot. Probably not going to make a lot happen, even if you have runners in scoring position. And so there's another opportunity there in the fourth inning. Now you're trailing, and so you needed a little bit more to keep that confidence level high for your team, which, again, the Cardinals, over the course of this winning streak, they were a team that for the first five months of the season, they didn't have any comeback wins from down four, down five. They've come up with multiple of those over the last three, four weeks. And then today you get down two runs, and you say, not so fast, my friend. We're going to find a way to figure this out. D.C. gets the homer, they get the base hits, and then Kisner, it's just a, a fly ball, line drive, soft liner into center field deep enough to get Bader from second to third. So now you've got one out, you've got Wainwright coming up. It's a perfect opportunity to try a squeeze play, whether it's a safety, suicide squeeze. I believe they went the safety route. Wainwright got the bunt down, makes all the sense in the world. They get that run across to tie the game at two. And from there, Wainwright does what he does, logging a couple more innings, keeping the Brewers off the board, allowing his offense to have all the room that they need to get this thing on lock. Fifth inning, Goldschmidt leads things off with a double into the right field corner. The dude is still on another planet. I know we haven't had a B-shaped daily for a couple of days. Over the weekend, I was in Columbia, busy time, a lot of fun. Did uh, Sports Sunday with Brooke Grimsley on Channel 4, News 4, KMOV, I write KMOV.com. Did that on Sunday night. Check that out. There's a link out on social media. A good little interview and conversation with Brooke about the Cardinals as they've continued this winning streak. I don't know why they put me on TV, but uh, I'm not complaining about it. It was a lot of fun to get to do that. But just been a few days since we've last spoken. Paul Goldsmith has continued being Paul Goldsmith. Just absolutely incredible. And on that interview with KMOV, I said, for me, Brooke asked me the question, who is the Cardinals MVP in your eyes? For me, as much as the Cardinals would not be where they are without Adam Wainwright, the the very same could be said about a guy who, as a position player, he's in there every day. I went with Paul Goldschmidt 
the season that he has had after the start that he had, which was not very good at all, is just incredible. And he's been carrying this team offensively. And you've had other guys pitching in as well. So that's what makes this Cardinals team particularly interesting. And if you talk to Wainwright Bader, they both use the same word, dangerous. What makes them dangerous is the fact that there are multiple guys. It's not just the offense. It's not just the starting pitching. It's not just the bullpen. It's not just a segment of, you know, Goldschmidt, Arenado. It's not just two guys. It's O'Neill chipping in. It's Bader having a ridiculous last couple of weeks. Ends up NL Player of the Week for last week with his ridiculous weekend at Wrigley Field. It's different guys throughout the order. It's Tommy Edmond pushing for the lead league in doubles, stealing more bases than any Cardinal has since, I believe it was Edgar Renteria in 2003. I traced that back for an article last week on Tommy Twobags. It's everybody. All the contributors that are finding ways to pitch in for this Cardinals team, that is what makes them so dangerous because you're not reliant upon, oh, are they in the part of the lineup that can score, that can produce runs? It's not like that. You've got it up and down the order. You've got guys that are doing their job. Every individual is chipping in, and that's it sounds cliche, but I'm telling you, that is what the Cardinals have been over the 17-game win streak. It's what they weren't able to be earlier in the season. How many different times have we talked about the Cardinals in 2021 just being a click off in a given area of their team, whether it was the bullpen struggling while the starters were doing well, and then you're not able to hold the lead because once you get behind, the offense loses confidence, or the offense just never showing up even though you're getting good starting pitching. Or throughout the month of June, when the starting pitching was abysmal for everybody not named Adam Wainwright, and so the, the the vibe around the team was just not such that you would be able to win very many games. That was the story of this Cardinals season. And at one point tonight, Adam Wainwright said they went through the worst Cardinals baseball he's ever seen played since his time here. The dude's been here for a million years, and he said this season, not the year that Mike Matheny was fired, not any of those other seasons where they missed the playoffs. This season, in his mind, had stretches of the worst baseball that he's seen from the St. Louis Cardinals since his arrival in 2005. So that says a lot. What it says even more, though, is the fact that the Cardinals have regrouped from that and turned into this juggernaut that they knew the talent was there, and now it's actually being produced on the field literally every freaking day. Because they've won 17 games in a row. And now if the streak ends, you can say, well, you know, they won until they didn't have to win anymore. And then they geared up for the wild card. Hopefully they get to 18 tomorrow. I'll be down there at the ballpark for the rest of this series as well. And then into the weekend against the Cubs, the final series of the season. The Cardinals will be honoring Mike Shannon. It'll be the end for probably Matt Carpenter, unless they're able to get back to Bush on the 11th of October, which... Connor remains to be seen, too, what a postseason roster would look like for him just based on the way things have gone. But I don't know. If you're playing the Dodgers, first of all, you could talk about that wild card game. I'm not saying it started, him, but if, if for whatever reason Clayton Kershaw ends up being the starter in that game, yeah, you, you, you might want to get Carpenter in there. No, I'm just playing. I don't think that's going to end up happening. The lineup, the way it's constructed right now, haven't they haven't done a lot of tweaks to it ever since really O'Neill moving into the three-hole. I think that was... Uh, constructive in the Cardinals being able to turn things around offensively. Uh, just a remarkable, really, second half of the season. You can look at some of the numbers league-wide, and the Cardinals going to be right up there among the league's best, especially following the month of September that they've had. Uh, I think you could look at over the course of the second half of the year, since, I don't know, July 1st probably, the Cardinals have been knocking on the door of being one of the league's best offenses, and it's really come to fruition here 
late in the season. Wainwright did mention that he thought one of the elements that he liked was once they got Tyler into that three-hole as well, it just sort of allowed the, the lineup to break down in a comfortable manner for everybody else, and he, they tried a lot of things. We'll get into that a little bit here, but let's finish up just recapping how the Cardinals finished this thing off. I mentioned Goldsmith with the double, and then Tyler O'Neill singles into right field, and I think this was the moment where it was like, this this game's over, the Cardinals are going to do this. On the Tyler O'Neill base hit, Avisio Garcia just allows the ball to, to go under his glove, and instead of an RBI single, O'Neill ends up on third, and Arenado immediately just puts together the very most sacrifice fly-oriented swing you could ever hope for. Very clear in the moment what he's trying to do, just get the ball to medium depth in the outfield because you know O'Neill is running from third base, and that's a big opportunity for an insurance run. So he does his job, situational hitting. Cardinals convert to go up 4-2, to two, and then Wainwright finishes off the top of the sixth before he is pinch hit for by Jose Rondon who hits a dong. A pinch hit blast by Rondon makes it 5-2, and then in the seventh, so the Cardinals scored in four consecutive innings. In the seventh, it was Nolan Arenado once again. How could you clinch without an Arenado blast to serve as kind of the cherry on top of the evening? He hits his 34th of the season, and the Cardinals take it home 6-2. Just a miraculous, incredible streak that defies logic and all understanding and it's your St. Louis Cardinals that have put it together. Should be the talk of the sport. I know there's a, some excitement going on now in the American League with the wild card chase involving so many different teams. It's all wrapped up now in the National League, and that's because of what the Cardinals have done over the course of the last three or so weeks. And it's just unbelievable, folks. Unbelievable where the Cardinals are, where they were, the journey it's been. In their minds, it's not over yet. I've told you on here, I don't think it's over yet either. I, To me, if I'm filling out a postseason bracket, which I'll wait to do until we find out exactly what it looks like, I'm not, I'm not going to have the Cardinals, barring something crazy like a bunch of injuries over the last week or just a vibe suddenly leaving this team somehow. I just don't see any way that I'll be projecting the Cardinals to do anything less than the NLCS. And the way they've beat up on contender after contender throughout this month, This is a team that has the makings, has the ability to get to the World Series. I don't know about winning it, but I look in the National League, and while the the two teams out West are very, very good, and they've had better seasons, both of them, than the Cardinals have had, I think I'd be be putting my money on the Cardinals. Not that I am betting on it. I'm just, I feel like the Cardinals are the team to beat if they can get through that wildcard game. Anything can happen in the wildcard. It's a one-game playoff. Cardinals fans have seen this before back in 2012 in the inaugural version of it against Atlanta. You can you can play a better game than a team perhaps and, and not come up with the right timely hit, have one play not go your way, and your season could be over. So I'm not just going to go out and predict it, but it does feel like the Cardinals have the makings of a team on the verge of contending for a World Series. Get through that first game, and there won't be any doubt to me. At first, I thought, well, I think they can get through and, and then get to the NLCS. But then I look at the, where the Brewers are right now. That's not a team that should scare you if you're the Cardinals. And you look at Atlanta Braves. I mean, maybe if they're able, I mean, they've got some good pitching. Charlie Morton threw another good game tonight as they're trying to hold off the Phillies and are, are going to successfully do so now for that division. It certainly would appear. They could end up being a tough, tough out. And, and honestly, the Brewers have probably fallen so far that well, I thought that they had a chance to to make some noise. I'm leaning maybe toward pitch, picking Atlanta in that series 
in that NLDS over Milwaukee, just the way the Brewers are playing right now. Anything could turn around. They've still got a few days to feel better about themselves. Like, they've obviously won this division. But as far as getting into a postseason series, if I'm the Cardinals, man, the Brewers don't really scare me. Sure, you could talk about the Dodgers being scary, and it looks like it's going to be the Dodgers in a one-game situation. Giants don't really – I don't know. I mean, they, they're continuing to win a lot of games. They're up to 103. That's a really incredible season, so I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself to say that the Dodgers should not scare the Cardinals. But just on paper, I think that the, the Cardinals have the roster clicking in such a way that that I would I would lean in their direction if I was picking a, a series if the Cardinals reach that NLDS. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Hopefully the Cardinals are, are playing deep into October to give us something to talk about here on B-Shape Daily. But without further ado, I want to get into some of the post-game audio from some of these guys down on the field. So the way they worked it is, and I know a lot of people like the champagne celebration, the Budweiser's were clearly flowing in the clubhouse. Media was not able to access that this year, unfortunately, uh, due to the COVID restrictions that are still kind of in place. I don't know if it's ever going to go back to where a postseason clinching celebration will happen in a clubhouse and the media can access it. Um, you know, you see Jim the Cat Hayes ends up getting soaked with beer and champagne every year. I know they came out, I think even Mike Schilt poured some beer on him onto the field when they got out onto the field for the interview tonight. But celebration took place in the clubhouse. Media waited out there on the field just outside the dugout for guys to filter out. The families were on the field, and so plenty of interview opportunities is is the way it went down. The excitement level was still tremendous. All the guys had their goggles on their foreheads, and uh, the the new era goggles I saw those guys wearing are are nice, man. That's got to be cool. For uh, got to be a cool feeling to be putting those on because you know what that means. But I did want to get into some of the audio, some great stuff. I'm going to start off with Nolan Arenado because this guy wanted to be here for several years, dating back quite a while, found a way to orchestrate it this offseason. The Cardinals trade for him. He has the memorable home run on opening day, the home opener in St. Louis. He doesn't have maybe the season that he probably would have wanted to have, and yet he's going to end up with 34, 35-plus home runs, probably in the neighborhood of 110 RBIs. An anchor for this lineup, an anchor defensively, a leader in the clubhouse, which is something that really increased as the season went along. And Mike Schilt talking about different moments in the season where he had conversations with guys, and it's going to be a clip I'll play by Adam Wainwright, talking about asking his players, you know, what is it that needs to be done and what can we do differently? What can I do differently to try to make this happen when the Cardinals were struggling? And Schilt mentioned a few guys by name as as leaders of the team. Adam Wainwright, of course, Yadier Molina, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Carpenter, veteran leader. And then he said Nolan Arenado, too, as the season went along and got to know him better. We talked early on in the season about Arenado as a leader, and certainly he's a guy who led by example from the moment that he got here to St. Louis. But I think there's something to be said, too, for the fact that as the season went along, he got more comfortable. These became his guys. It wasn't it wasn't just like you're a transplant in a new place. You don't know anybody. You're, you're trying to fit in. You're a superstar talent, and so you're arguably the best player, if not one of the best players on the team. I think I said that in the wrong order, but I'm not going to delete it because I'm tired. But you're one of the best players on the team. 
and you've got that personality, you've got that drive to win. But just the fact that Arenado, by the end of the season, even if he wasn't there at the beginning, which I don't know how you could expect him to be when he doesn't have that relationship with Mike Schilt that, that the other guys had. He was a guy that Mike Schilt was, you know, among those team leaders that he says, hey, you know, what can I do differently? And so I'm going to play that from from Adam Wainwright here in just a minute. But I wanted to, to get some Arenado in your life. I'm going to talk about as well Dylan Carlson and how Arenado, because Arenado is, is you know, we talk about different guys that have that aura. Adam Wainwright talked about the aura of Harrison Bader tonight, who, you, who you'll hear from here in a few minutes. But Arenado is one of those guys that just has that magnetic attraction, that ability to rally a clubhouse around him to be a, a core foundational member of what the Cardinals were doing this year alongside Goldsmith, alongside Wainwright, Yachty, those other guys. And it's just, it's natural to want to hear from and hear about this guy and what he's what he's experiencing right now. This was the moment he came here to, to experience. I, I You know, obviously you want to win the World Series, but to be able to get to the postseason, something that seldom happens if you're a Colorado Rocky for all those years as he was. And now in his first year with the Cardinals, he is going to postseason to October baseball, at least for one game. I'm just going to play this clip from Arenado and then just kind of roll through some of the clips as we finish up this episode here of B-Shape Daily in style. I mean, I think uh, we're doing a great job. I mean, I think if you ask all of us, we, you know, we want to win the division, and uh, that was our goal. It didn't happen, but to find ourselves still in October, and the way we did it is unbelievable. I mean, we literally had to go on the streak that we did and uh, to get in, and now we are. What goes through my mind when hearing that clip from Nolan Arenado from Tuesday Night's Celebration is the days and the Zooms where he talked about not performing up to his own expectations and that the team was in danger of falling out of falling out of the race. I mean, this was less than a month ago, guys. And just to think back to those moments and then to flash forward to tonight and what Arenado, the the visual of Arenado, the the crowd still lingering behind the Cardinals dugout knowing that all the okay, all the media is on the field for something. It looks like those guys are going to come back out there and so they stayed. Cardinals fans just stayed. And when Arenado was out there, it was just he was the only he was the only guy there to these fans who were just giving him that adoration, letting him know that they love him. It was cool to see a special moment for Arenado. Hopefully he's able to have some special October moments as well, but uh, you got to start somewhere. And that's, that's where the Cardinals, that's where the Cardinals began this month. They said, we got to start somewhere. And so brick by brick, they were able to build this into a 17 game winning streak to get to where they are now. Pretty amazing. Let's go now to Dylan Carlson, just a brief clip that I thought was kind of funny and also illustrative of Arenado, what he means to this team, what he means to the young guys on this team. Carlson, of course, being one of those guys. Obviously, I'm seeing a different Dylan Carlson, much more comfortable with where he's at. You think about the way he came into the league in 2020, doing the Zoom interviews, no fans, trying to learn this game at this level and, and how to how to go about his business. He's a very even keeled guy, but even for somebody with that kind of innate nature, it's it had to have been difficult. And you saw that wear on Carlson at different points. He even goes down to the minors at some point in twenty twenty. There was no minors. He goes to the alternate site to try to work things out last year, fixing fixing the swing, just kind of taking a breath. At some point he just needed that in twenty twenty. In 2021, at September, going into the postseason, 
This guy looks like someone who is going to contribute meaningfully to the Cardinals if they make this kind of run that we think they're capable of. And he just looks so dialed in and locked into where he is as a player. I think it's pretty cool to watch the progression of Dylan Carlson. But one of the reasons that has that has happened and that he's been helped along in that way has been guidance by veteran players, including Nolan Arenado. So he was asked about Arenado by Benjamin Hockman, and here's the response by Dylan J. Carlson. That's my guy. He's so awesome. He's been great to me personally and a lot of guys in that clubhouse. So for him to get this moment and experience it, uh, it it's pretty awesome. He's a great player, obviously, and you know, an even better person, so that makes it that much better. That's my guy. He's so awesome. Pretty clear that Arenado has had a tremendous impact on this clubhouse, on Carlson, on the rest of his Cardinals teammates. So that was cool to hear in the genuine way that he said it, the smile you couldn't wipe it off of Dylan's face. So pretty cool to see and hear from the Cardinals rookie, who's who's still technically a rookie. And I know it's been, like we talked about, 2020, different way to come up, but still rookie eligible for this season and one of the best rookies in the National League. Not sure he's going to win the award for Rookie of the Year that maybe Jonathan India, maybe somebody else, but uh, certainly Carlson coming around is a major contributor for what the Cardinals have done down the stretch. Let's keep this party rolling, though, with some Adam Wainwright. You'll hear Martin Kilcoin at the beginning asking Wainwright to kind of sum up everything, and it's a little hard to hear. It was very loud down there, but Wainwright begins this clip by saying, well, it's a very good start, and you'll hear what he's alluding to. Like I said, it's clear the Cardinals have unfinished business. They're not done yet. And you'll you'll get what I mean when you hear from Adam Wainwright right here. Put this in perspective. This particular run, this particular postseason team. Try and sum that up. Very a very good start. That's it? Uh, yeah, we're we're very focused right now. I mean, we're having fun, it's exciting and we're you know, I'm still wearing my champagne shirt and I love having it. I'm freezing and I love every part of it. But we, we got some games to win, you know. We, we, uh, we, we're playing on four more of these. we got to go one at a time, but playing on four more of these. Our guys are our guys just got a taste of it, you know. There's a couple guys in there that never popped before, so they're pretty excited right now. We're very excited. It never gets old, you know. It never gets old, and we're glad to be back in the postseason. So there's Adam Wainwright talking about wanting to have four of these. Four more. You get the wild card win. You get the NLDS win, NLCS win, World Series win. That'd be four more. And I think you do. You go full champagne celebration if you win the wild card game because that like allows you. I, I know you can't take that actual breath to be like, oh, okay, it's fine. We're fine now. We we can afford to lose a game, and our season won't necessarily end because you don't want to really go in with that mindset because quickly you'll find that you're going to lose a couple of games and you're right back into that situation where it's a do or die. But it is an accomplishment to say, hey, we get to the postseason series. So I think you you go you go full champagne baby every time from here on out no question about it that would be tremendous to see the Cardinals be able to come through in that October 6th game. Wayno knows he's going to be on the bump for it. It's not official. Mike Schilt said he was asked about it but said ah too early for me to be able to give you the 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 rundown of the way the next week is going to look but rest assured we're going to be looking at that very closely and working on it in the hours ahead. It's going to be Wainwright on October 6th in the wild card game. There's just no doubt about that. But that's some good stuff from Waino on where the Cardinals have gone and where they're looking to go. We'll have one more Waino clip to finish up the show, but I want to give you Harrison Bader first because he talked about and had some good things to say about 
the run and where the Cardinals are. And you'll hear that word dangerous. It's something that multiple guys used down there on the field in the interviews tonight. But the Cardinals have a lot of reasons to feel dangerous. And Harrison Bader alludes to that in this clip right here for the Cardinals center fielder, who, by the way, caught the final out of the game and did so with such swag. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you follow Cardinals gifts on Twitter. Check out the gift of the final out. Just, it's just so Harrison Bader. But anyway, here he is after the win. Well, the start has been fun. And, and secondly, it's just been, it's just been professional. I mean, there, there were games where we were behind to start, uh, but just it was just head down. You know, it's just, we don't know who was going to do it, but someone's going to do it. And uh, that mentality is contagious. It's dangerous. It's intentional. And uh, being around a group of guys like that, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's just an absolute blast day in and day out. So, yeah, man, we're, we're bearing down on the finish line that we, uh, we're happy to be a part of. And that was Cardinals outfielder Harrison Bader breaking down his thoughts on this run. They're feeling dangerous, guys, and there's a lot of reason, as we mentioned, for them to feel that way. Bader in particular, a guy that over the last week or so mentioned that he won NL Player of the Week, followed up teammate Tyler O'Neill, who did so the previous week, if Bader can be that guy in the postseason that can take these big at-bats and can make things happen offensively in addition to his contributions defensively, look out, man, because, yes, Tyler O'Neill is is on one. Paul Goldsmith is on one. Arnato is on one. Edmund has not been the quintessential leadoff man that's going to get on base at a high rate and lead the team in runs. He's scored a lot of runs, but I believe Goldsmith is higher than him. And the OBP is just not there for what you'd hope for from a leadoff guy. But Edmund comes up with doubles. He comes up with stolen bases. He puts himself in a scoring position. He makes things happen sturdy defensively. He's been able to get it done as a Cardinals leadoff guy. We've seen Dylan Carlson talking about other guys, right, other than the main contributors, the big three, which really what you've got right now in Arenado, O'Neill, and Goldschmidt is – MV, MV3 kind of production. Not maybe on that level, but certainly over the course of this win streak, that's what you've seen as this, this trio has come together to pace the Cardinals offensively. And then you get the other ancillary pieces like a Tommy Edmond, like a Bader, who I call him ancillary and no player of the week. Like this, when this guy's locked in, he can help carry you. And we have so many different guys doing that at once. Dylan Carlson, we mentioned his power numbers are up. His contributions have been legitimate. You've got other guys coming in. Yadier Molina is going to, if he's healthy, he's going to be out there. He's going to be a guy that you want taking big at-bats. But even off the bench, Andrew Kisner has chipped in. Jose Rondon with the home run tonight. Matt Carpenter has even had a couple of solid at-bats throughout this win streak. So you've got enough guys. Paul DeYoung, I should mention that. I mean, we don't really know what Edmundo Sosa, what it's going to look like for him after the wrist injury. He's a guy, when he gets hit by a pitch, you're going to know about it. And he does, he's demonstrative in his his movements. And so I kind of wondered, you know, there, there are other times where that happened to him earlier in the season and he made a big circle and then he went to first base and ran the bases and stayed in the game. So with Amundo Sosa getting hit by that pitch, it was a deal where he ran right through the, off the field into the dugout and, and was, was gone in a blink because he knew he was hurt bad. But x-rays were negative and so... No injured list stint as of yet. If they put him on one now, it could knock him out to into the playoffs. Paul DeYoung, though, has got to be the fill-in at shortstop, and he's been able to get the job done. That's been pretty big. He's going to finish this season almost certainly with a batting average below 200. 
But DeYoung contributing as well has been crucial for the Cardinals and where they're at right now. It's been everybody, and that's been part of it. Gallegos coming in as a closer. It's been nails. Absolute nails in the closer's role. That's been huge for the Cardinals. You've got McFarland. You've got Luis Garcia contributing. Alex Reyes still contributing in another role in the bullpen for him. Hennessy Cabrera contributing. It's been amazing. The rotation. I mean, John Lester is going to be a guy that, as a Cardinal fan, you know, think about back to May, June. If I told you, hey, John Lester is going to be making big stars for the Cardinals in the playoffs. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Get back in your time machine. It's clearly bent out of shape. Like, there's no way. But that's the Cardinals traded for him. It's a, it's a great match. Uh, Harrison Bader, too, tonight, uh, unprompted, mentioned John Lester and said, and by the way, he's I've been a huge fan of him ever since he stepped into the clubhouse. He's, he's awesome to have around. Maybe not something that we hear a whole lot from players. Just seems like John, John Lester is a guy who's kind of slipped under the radar a little bit with the steadiness he's brought to the rotation. And can we take a moment out of our day as well to just say, yep, John Mozeliak, Mia Culpa, like our bad for giving you, giving you shit about the trade deadline and picking up Lester and picking up Jay Happ, who's been really solid for the Cardinals as well. Like, can we just kind of back up and be like, yep, you got that one right, Mo, because he, what did he give up? John Gant, who's not been anything with Minnesota, guy who cannot throw strikes at a rate high enough to be in the rotation. We saw that with him in St. Louis. Love the guy, but that's just a reality. And Lane Thomas, who, yeah, he's hit well with with the, where the hell did he go? Man, it's late. He hit well with Washington Nationals, has had a good little run with them. We'll see if he sticks long-term as they're definitely into a rebuild. It's Juan Soto and the rest of the guys are milk carton guys. And so we'll, we'll see what he's able to do as far as sticking around. But that was just a move that needed to be made. Lane Thomas was not, he didn't have a future in St. Louis. You've got your outfield mix. You kept Tyler O'Neill. That's paying off. Would you rather have Tyler O'Neill or Randy Rosarena right now? I think the answer is Tyler O'Neill, right? And so Harrison Bader or Randy Rosarena? I honestly, most people, and maybe that's a little bit too much prisoner of the moment because Randy's had a really nice season and he's probably going to have a really nice career. But Harrison Bader, there. I mean, you talk to other Cardinals, and there is something to the energy this guy brings. Mentioned the aura that that Wainwright was asked about and spoke to. There's something about this guy that he does when he goes, they go. I know that was kind of the Dexter Fowler mojo from back in the day. But Harrison Bader is an emotional leader, I think I would say, of this Cardinals team. Because the energy that he brings, the vibe that he creates... I think there's a real tangible benefit to that for the Cardinals. And so that's what's that's interesting. Like I thought, if I did that Twitter poll, Tyler O'Neill or Randy Rosarena, what would people say? I think overwhelmingly it would be O'Neill. But if I did it with Bader, I'd be very curious. And I don't want to put a damper on the vibes right now for the Cardinals. That's kind of a that'd be kind of a a jerk move to to throw that out there right now and say, hey, remember this guy? Like, it's just not the vibe right now. So I'm not, I'm going to wait and, 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 and hold off on that idea for now. But just interesting to think about the idea that we looked at the front office and said, here are the mistakes you made, blah, 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 blah. It's not good. You've given up all these pieces of these players that are continuing to do well elsewhere. Talk about some of the guys that they kept. O'Neal, Diamond in the rough, man. He always had that raw power potential. He was a top 100 prospect at one point in time for a reason. They traded Marco Gonzalez to get him. Then Marco goes on and had success a little more quickly than Tyler did. 
because he was in their rotation in Seattle and he got himself a contract, got the bag, good for him. You can't look back and say the Cardinals would have done it any differently because what Tyler O'Neill is bringing to this 2021 team, and hopefully he's an early extension candidate and they're able to lock up O'Neill for a while. Would you do it off of one year? I say yes, because I think if he does this again, you're going to find a, a much more difficult time retaining the guy long-term, though I think he likes it here. There's no reason to think he doesn't. Team that's given him a chance, even through the years where he, he was not performing up to his own expectations and his, his, obviously his capabilities. I mean, this is his first season with double-digit home runs, and he's getting to 30. So just an amazing season by O'Neill. But he is the complete package. We've talked about that on B-Shape Daily. Offensively, defensively, plate approach has improved. He does it all, and he's a lot of fun. It's just, just want to take a moment to to bring all that up to say, yeah, the front office got some things right. And in a moment where we were clamoring for big moves to be made, yes, you could say this. You know, yeah, okay, they were let off the hook by a 17 game win streak. Yeah, okay, but at the same time. Don't be that guy. Don't be the pessimist that that wants to sit here and still rag on a front office who built the roster that was capable of a 17-game win streak. Not many teams can say that. And the Cardinals, they told us all along they had it in them. Mike Schilt talks about being an optimist because they live longer. That's his nature. But he said all along that they had this in them as well. Not this specifically, but the ability to make a run and work going to get hot. Twitter rode his ass hard for that. And for a while, it looked like there there was merit for the criticism. But at this point, there's nothing you can say. I mean, it's just amazing what the Cardinals have been able to do. Speaking of criticism, there were times this year where it wasn't going so great. Adam Wainwright remembers those times. Going to hear from him in this clip a little bit longer than a minute long about points in the year where Mike Schilt, you know, was looking for answers. And he went to his veteran leaders, as I alluded to earlier. Now you'll hear what I'm talking about in this clip from Wayno. It's just really fascinating to think about the dynamic of this team as they were going through it, trying to find their way toward the promised land that they've they ultimately reached with this win streak. Hear from Adam Wayne right here on just the dynamic of this team and what needed to go right for them to be able to make this run. And it was a question posed to Wainwright that kicks us off by Derek Gould. Were there points in this year, early in the season, when you thought, how is this not working? Why are we not having more success? And here's Wainwright with a very detailed and fascinating answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. In the first half, it was like, I really don't understand why we're not winning. Schulte called me in the office a couple times and was like, what can I do different? Like, what, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to do? I need to get on guys more? Do I need to not get on guys? Do I need to love on guys? Do I need to change the lineup? But like, and he was just, you know, he only asked a couple of us, but... He was really trying to search for anything, you know, just trying to just trying to do something that would, would help and that's the band is something you can do. It's, it's us. We've got to go out and perform. We, you know, you're putting us in the right spots. We just gotta go out and, and get the big hits and make the big pitches and, and make the defensive plays that, that need to be made. And, and you know, we showed flashes of it here and there. And we'd score ten and then the next day we'd score zero. And this lineup is, is more dynamic than that. It's not a one not a one-day punch. We, we, we've got a lineup that can really punch and counter-punch and keep punching and keep coming back. And that's what we've done this last 17 games. We've been down a few times. And those guys, 
kept coming coming back, and that's that's the thing. I kept sharing that with these guys, man. It's, the winning teams I've been a part of, it didn't matter how much you were down, it was always a sense of we can come back and win this game. And if you've had that belief, then you can be a really dangerous team. There's that word again, folks, dangerous. The Cardinals believe they are dangerous. I think 17 in a row more than proves that hypothesis. It's Again, it's going to come down to that wild card game, and it's going to be so fascinating to break that down. Win or lose, I feel like it's going to be an hour-long podcast that night, provided I'm able to to figure out a way to have my equipment where I need and what I need. But just incredible, incredible run right now for the Cardinals. I'd love to see him continue the win streak. I know that the Moneyball movie, what was that with the Oakland Athletics and their win streak of like 21 games or whatever it was, the Indians had a pretty long one in in recent memory. Cardinals are knocking on the door potentially. I mean, you get to 20, that'd be something else. But even 17 is something we never thought we'd see. I mean, Adam Wainwright said he thought prior to this, longest streak he experienced with the team was eight. That seems almost impossible given that they've more than doubled that with their output over the last week, week and a half. But eight games, and he's been with the team for 17 years. And now you've got 17 wins in a row. So just absolutely amazing. I appreciate you guys for listening to Be Shaped Daily, for sticking with the podcast, uh, sticking with the team. I mean, the team appreciates you sticking with them for sure. At times this year, I'm sure it was not worth doing and not worth listening to a podcast about a team that's struggling. But it goes back to the reason that you often heard me maybe not say the big sweeping generalization about how this team sucks or this is over, they're done. I always try to view it through that prism of, well, it's not going well right now, and they're not giving us a lot of a reason to expect to turn around, but it's all out there for them. I think I kept saying that phrase, it's all right out there in front of them if they want to take hold of it. And finally, they did so, and I think that's just what's so interesting about the mentality of, People watching this team and whether you checked out or you stuck with it or you believed or you didn't believe, there came that point where it's kind of undeniable like, oh, okay, yep, I'm now seeing what they're talking about. So wanted to give that me a culpa, but also wanted to say thanks to everybody for listening to the show throughout the season. I hope we're doing shows for weeks to come about the 2021 season. We got all we got all off season to talk about off season. But the Cardinals, they're in the playoffs. They've got the biggest game of their season coming up on October 6th. We're going to bring you up toward it as the rest of the week unfolds. They've still got five games remaining, and so we're going to talk our way through those as well Wednesday, Thursday, and then over the weekend, indeed, as the Cardinals take on the Cubs. Still a lot of baseball left to be played. Obviously a winning streak online that I think the Cardinals are going to want to continue and win if and when they do lose that first game. I think it will be noteworthy to see how they respond thereafter. So plenty to discuss still on B-Shape Daily the rest of the way. Make sure you subscribe if you've not done so already. If you're 51 minutes into this podcast and you haven't subscribed, the heck's wrong with you? Make sure you do so. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on there too. Google Podcasts. Head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on more platforms and you'll find all the options for your listening pleasure when it comes to B-Shape Daily. Thank you all so much once again for listening. Cardinals are in the postseason. It's been a crazy night. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!